Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Hope you're having a great day. And I really do appreciate you listening. And uh, it really does mean a lot. I know that there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of you listening right now. So wherever you're at in the world, wherever you are in your speaking journey, I uh, really genuinely appreciate you hanging out with us today. Hey, before we get to today's guest, we got a good one for you. I want to remind you that if you have not already pre-ordered The Successful Speaker, our brand new book that comes out February 18th, 2020, I would encourage you to go pick that up. You can go to thespeakerlab.com slash book thespeakerlab.com slash book. There you can pre-order that. We've got a lot of bonuses, including if you pre-order the uh, hard copy or Kindle version, uh, we will go ahead and give you the audiobook as well. So just recorded that recently and we will uh, send that to you as well. So make sure that again, you go ahead and pre-order that. We've got several different bonuses that we're going to hook you up with, including some, uh, some Q&A with me that I would encourage you to, uh, to pick up. So again, go to the Speaker Lab. We got a couple of URLs. That's what's throwing me off here the successful speaker book.com the successful speaker book.com or go to the speakerlab.com slash book the speakerlab.com slash book all right now we got through all that gibberish let's get to today's guest we got uh, jesse cole hanging out with us today jesse has a very unique story he has if you've seen the movie field of dreams this is literally like a modern day version of that in the baseball world jesse is the I don't want to give away too much because this is a really unique story, his entrepreneurial journey, and then how that ties into speaking. So today we're going to talk about creativity and business and standing out from the crowd, doing things different. And whenever the world is zigging, how you're zagging. So there's a lot we get into today. This is really interesting. I think you're going to enjoy it. So let's get into this conversation with uh, Jesse Cole. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, joined by Jesse Cole. And uh, Jesse is, you can't see him. I wish you could see him because the dude looks dapper today. Jesse, can you describe what you're wearing? Yes, it's a full yellow tuxedo with a yellow top hat. It is my uniform. I wear it every day. And of course, I'd bring it for you, Grant. You know, if you think about, you've seen the movie Dumb and Dumber, and you've got the two guys in the tuxedo, Harry and Lloyd, with their blue and their, it's like that. It's a well done tuxedo, just decked out in yellow. Yeah, this one's actually, this one's tailored. So my staff made fun of me. I was wearing bright colored tuxedos, like an actual tuxedo that exists. They're like, you need to have one that looks better when you're on the road and speaking. So they actually got one tailored, custom fit for me. So this one actually fits me a little better, which is pretty cool. And so you, you, you wear that pretty much every day. Whenever I'm working, whenever it's, it's, it's my uniform. So it means I'm on, uh, it's, it's always showtime. So yeah. I used to play baseball and it's game time. It's showtime. And that's okay. what we do with our teams and what we do on stage. Okay, cool. And so there's a, a method to the madness here. We're going to get into all of that. But for people who aren't familiar with you, give us a quick snapshot. We'll, I want to talk about, we'll get to the speaking part. That's obviously why we're here. But the reason that you got into speaking or some of the backstory to it is also pretty fascinating and compelling. So give us a nutshell of, of what you do off stage. 
Sure. Well, I got into the baseball industry. I played baseball my whole life. And then I took over a team in Gastonia, North Carolina. I mean, it was probably the worst performing team in the country. Only 200 fans coming to the ballpark, $268 in the bank account my first day. And I realized that we had to start making the games fun because no one was coming out to baseball. And so whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. So we started having our players do choreographed dances at our games, grandma beauty pageants. We did flatulence fun nights, salute to underwear nights. Grant, we tried it all. And what we realized is that people started paying attention. They started coming out to the games. They were coming for the show. So I ended up buying that team with my wife. I met her uh, and uh, she wore a hot dog costumes at the game. She became our director of fun. And we made it a circus and we bought Gastonia. Uh, we recently sold that about two years ago and we came to Savannah, Georgia. And that's where everything changed and it got even bigger. Savannah had professional baseball for 90 years. Like the top, like real, like Babe Ruth played there, Hank Aaron, Lou Gehrig, wow. the top baseball. And as I share with you offline, like we're college summer baseball. We're the lowest level there is. And professional baseball didn't work in Savannah. They wanted a brand new stadium, but no one was coming to the games. My wife and I went to the ballpark. There was less than 500 people and the team was leaving. And so we reached out. We said, this could be an amazing city, amazing opportunity for us to come. And so we got there and the first day we showed up and the phone lines were cut. The internet lines were cut. It was myself, my wife, our 24-year-old president, three 22-year-olds. And we were given the keys and said, good luck, guys. It's not going to work. And so we grabbed a picnic table. We brought it into a storage building and started calling everyone in town. And unfortunately, no one was interested in us. We sold one ticket in the first two months. I mean, it was bad. So it got to a point where it was so bad that in January of 2016, we got a call at 4.45 in the afternoon from one of our employees and said, we overdrafted our account. We were completely out of money. So this was just about four years ago. So my wife gives you a testament to her character. She turned to me and said, we have to sell our house. And so it was our dream house. We sold our dream house. We emptied out our savings account and we put every dollar that we had left into the team. And we got an airbed, a little tiny, terrible little house that was on the market for years. No one wanted it. We set up an airbed and we said, we believe in this. We got to get crazy. We got to get different. And so at that point, we said, we're going to go all out. We're going to make it the biggest circus we ever had. And we decided to name the team after a fruit. We became the Savannah Bananas. And we came up with ideas of naming a senior citizen dance team, the Banana Nanas. We had the idea of having our mascot name split and having Dolce and Banana underwear that we throw out in the games. And we went all out. And on February 25th, 2016, we announced the name. Everyone in the city said, who are these guys? You're an embarrassment to the city. You won't yeah. sell it. To them. They made fun of us. But we got attention. Hence the yellow tux. We got the attention. And once we got the attention and they knew it was about the experience, they came out to the games and we went all out. Break dancing, first base coach, dancing players. We had a full pep band. It was an absolute circus. And fortunately now in the last four years, we've sold out every single game and we have a wait list in the thousands for tickets. And my wife and I now have a real bed. So we've come full circle. Dude, it sounds like a modern day field of dreams. Like a, if you build it, they will come. You're just down to the last dime. We should, you know, we got to plow the field to, or plow the, the baseball field to grow more corn just to stay afloat here. So, all right, there's so much to get into here. I'm, I'm fascinated by this as, a, as an also a, a baseball fan. So what makes you interested in even just buying a team, right? Because that just seems like, like there's plenty of people that are sports fans are like, I would love to own a sports team someday. That seems cool. But oftentimes you're thinking of like, next level, you know, professional team. But when you're thinking like, I want to buy a team that's falling apart, that nobody's going to the games, like what inspires you to even do that? Well, I've been impacted by uh, so many. So when I first joined Gastonia at 23, I had no idea what I was doing. So yeah. Mike Vec, 
who uh, is the son of Bill Vec, the famous baseball owner. Mike's owned some teams. I met with him and he told me, you got to get crazy. You got to become the face of the team. I read every book on P.T. Barnum. I read every book on Walt Disney. And so I believed that we could do it different. And so I had this belief. But yeah, I went from zero debt and my wife and I to between buying Gastonia, buying Savannah, putting the money into $1.8 million in debt for was very, very scary. But we had the belief that hey, we weren't going in the same direction as everyone else. We were looking at what are the frustrations in baseball. It's long, slow, and boring to make it nonstop fun. You get nickel and dimed. We made every ticket all-inclusive. Every ticket includes all your burgers, your hot dogs, your chicken sandwiches, your soda, your water, your popcorn, your dessert, everything for $15 when we first started. Whoa. So we said, how do we build... You know, our goal is very similar. We want to provide the best fan experience in the world. So we answer those questions, stop doing those things that people don't like, and do the exact opposite. So we believe once we got the attention if they actually experienced it, that it could work. But there were many sleepless nights and buying a team was very scary. But I guess just having the support of my wife and our team was like, we're going to do this. And we just, we're we're the underdog and we're still the underdog today. So how do you find the balance between like, okay, we're going to do something different. We're going to do something creative. And this applies to speakers as well, but, and not going to the point of like, all right, this is hokey. This is cheesy. This is silly. So how do you find that, that right balance there? For, For us, it's having clarity on who you are and what you stand for. So the name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. So every decision we make is, is it fans first and do we entertain always? So for us, with that guiding light, we know exactly where you're going. So as a speaker, I knew that, hey, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to put on a show and entertain while also give the messages because that's guiding light of everything we're doing. But I believe normal gets normal results. And so whatever's normal to the exact opposite. So for us, we knew just we're going to go in that direction. We're not going to be like everyone else. So as a speaker, we always say, you know, are people talking about you? What makes you remarkable? And turn the required into remarkable. Turn, turn the boring into fun and the normal to opposite. And now we spend zero dollars on marketing. Zero, because our customers are the ones marketing for us. And as you know, with all the speakers, if, if they do a great job, you don't have to promote that, you're, that you speak. Sure. And yeah. so I haven't done the same thing either. If you do that job that creates a nice experience that people won't forget, they tell everybody. Right, right, right. And that's kind of how we built that in our brand. We don't want to market because no one wants to be marketed to. Right. We want to create an experience that they will tell their friends and seem cool for telling them. So it sounds like today you're not positioned as a, as a baseball team, but like you kind of alluded to almost a circus that happens to play some baseball in between the circus. Yeah, yeah where a circus and a baseball game breaks out. And so <laughs> like that's, that's what it is. And we're, we're clear on that. So like, you know, we have, when we work with groups, we talk, what's your PFT, your perfect fan testimonial that they would say about you. And we want people to say it was the most fun I've ever had at a baseball game. Yeah. And to create that, we have to create something completely different because most people don't say, oh, that baseball game was so much fun. Like they're sitting and watching a game. Right. We want them to be actively participating. We have them sing. We have them dance. We're throwing things. It's just kind of a roller coaster, wild ride. And we're still learning every day. Do the baseball players get annoyed of like, okay, we want to be the stars of the show, but clearly we are a sideshow to the main attraction here. You know, it's funny. They've become still a huge part of the show. So we tell the guys, hey guys, you're going to play in front of a sold out crowd, but you're a part yeah. of the show. So our players deliver roses in the crowd to little girls during the game. They will do conga lines through the crowd during the game. They will dance to Beyonce single ladies in the middle of the game. And these guys are like, what are we doing? But then they see they're signing autographs for hours because yeah. they're looking like celebrities, not a typical baseball player. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is with the grand is when you do it and you're having fun, you play better. And as a speaker, if you're thinking this, oh, it's a chore, I have to do this, and you're dreading, you have fear, you won't perform as well. So we tell the guys, have the time of your life. 
And what's happened is we've had the most wins in the league over the last four years and won a championship, and they're not even focused on the baseball. It's, <laughs> it's just wild. It's wild. And we, again, we've learned. This has been many years in the making, but it's been so fun to watch and be a part of it. So as a side note, okay, so you had one team, you sell it. Now you're at the Savannah Bananas. Are you wanting to move up into a single A or double A team? Zero interest. <laughs> like zero. zero because, Why is that? Because there's red tape. Okay. So, for instance, when you get into professional baseball, they're yeah. supposed to do this. I mean, we literally have a breakdancing first base coach in the middle of the game that's doing Michael Jackson moonwalk while he's giving signals. Right. Like, you, you can't do that in minor right. league baseball. So, I think it would take away the fun. So, I love the level we're at, and we're going to completely be different than everyone else, hopefully. Okay, cool. All right, so you've got this team. You're having success. You're raising some, some racket. But at some point, you decide, like, all right, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the speaking thing. Had you yes. been doing any speaking or how does speaking fit into the picture? Yeah, so the fact that, I mean, literally I was 23, 24 years old. Hey, can you come over to the Rotary and just tell us about your team? And so I'll come over and tell you about team. And, you know, I haven't shared this, but, you know, I remember my first talk in the Rotary. I was 23 years old and I was nervous out of my mind. I wasn't in the yellow tux guy then. I was just this young guy taking over a team. And I was doing Toastmasters because I had to learn how to talk. And I remember literally halfway, you know, 10 minutes into my talk, I completely froze. And I'm sitting there, I'm like telling a story about a hot dog eating contest. And I had no idea. And everyone's just looking at me. And a great one of our team members said, Jesse, the hot dogs, the hot dogs. Like, oh, yes, the hot dogs. <laughs> and it was like, that was like the lowest moment I felt. And then I realized like the end, people were still having fun and they were all about it. And I got over that fear. And so from there, just giving lots of talks, talking about the team. And then literally what we're doing, the bananas created a lot more attention. So people said, how do we do this? How do we do this? So I, I wrote my first book two years ago. And I said, I'm going to commit to just putting out content, sharing our journey, sharing our story. Yeah. And fortunately, uh, you know, what's happened, the bookings have been a lot. And I'm now trying to be very selective on which ones work out well. How did you kind of figure out what you would talk about or what's the problem that you solve or even who you would speak to? Because uh, like in your situation, it sounds like what a lot of people are interested in is just your story, right? Yes. Which could appeal to a lot of different audiences. Yes. And, you know, in the, from a, a personal standpoint, from a professional standpoint, from an entrepreneurial, from a business standpoint, there's a lot of directions you could go. Yes. And the, the topic that you could take with it of, you know, creativity or innovation or being different or, you know, doing things with excellence or customer service. Like there's a lot of things that you could talk about. Yes. So how do you figure out like, okay, I'm in this lane. This is who I speak to. This is the problem I solve. Instead of falling into the trap of I'm going to try to be all things for all people. Yes. It became clear about two years ago when I started just talking, telling our story. That's what they wanted. But what I realized what impacted business people more than anything was how to deliver this fan's first experience. And so, and I believe a lot of it, you have to be different to create it. You can't follow the normal routes. So I started building our talk and working with businesses on how to deliver this fan's first experience, how to map the experience and build our story throughout it, but then give examples of businesses that we've worked for. And that's taken a few years in the making. I mean, yeah. now I'm tailoring my talks to this whole belief or this whole statement, you wouldn't believe how to create everyone to say, you wouldn't believe what happened at your establishment, your business, or you wouldn't believe what happened at the ballpark and to inspire. And it's just been testing. I mean, I, as you know, with anything, it's experimenting and right. I know, Hey, that didn't work well. That worked well. I get everything filmed. So whenever I talk, I film and I try to watch the film and like, all right, I can see where my body language is here. What's wrong here. But, uh, yeah, now it's, it's, it's Hey, I'm, Jesse Cole, yellow tux guy, it's, it's be different stand up, but it's really all in on loving your customers more than you love your product and loving your employees more than you love your customer. And that's kind of goes into this experience. And that's what companies mostly look to. to How did you make the transition from, all right, I speak at a rotary club and uh, <laughs> because it sounds like the type of thing that it'd be, it'd be, you know, somewhat easy to be well-known in Savannah. There's the crazy yellow tux guy. 
And so you have the notoriety in your backyard. How yes. do you say, okay, I enjoy speaking. I want to do more speaking, but it's got to go beyond just Savannah. How do you start to branch out beyond that? Because outside of the Savannah bubble, people may not know your story 100%. or know why, you know, what you're doing is different and unique. So how do you start to get the word out beyond just your world? So there's two things there. P.T. Barnum, one of my biggest influences, uh, he has, I have a custom poster in my office. Something terrible happens without promotion. Nothing. Now, but there's a difference. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be advertised to. I want to be marketed to. Can someone sell me something today? No one wakes up in the morning that. There's a difference. And so I started three years ago, I started writing a blog every day. I started writing, but I was too afraid to post it being open. I wrote almost 180 blogs, but I was too scared to put it out. Wow. So I finally said, you know what? I'm going to commit to this before the book came out. And I said, every day I'm going to post something on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on social. I'm going to post something. And whether it's a podcast being interviewed, whether it's a video from a speech, and I just started posting and sharing some of the things that we've learned. And what happened was people just started reaching out and reaching out and reaching out. And it started by that consistent contact. And two years ago, you know, it wasn't so much national. Now, as our story's getting bigger and I'm sharing more, the requests are coming in. But I think the big takeaway for me was just consistently put out without wanting anything in return. I'm fortunate I didn't need the speaking career. Yeah. I was working on building our team. But this also helps build the team and it also helps add value, hopefully, to, to businesses that can really bring this. Um, so it was just two years, three years of sharing every single day. Thank you letters has been huge for me. I learned this from Joey Coleman and everyone that, that talks about the gratitude. 2016, I started writing a thank you letter every single day and it changed my life to authors, to teachers, to coaches, to people in my life, to people I meet with. And it's called the thank you experiment. And so I've really done a lot of that that goes into this fan experience. You know, can you thank one fan a day, one customer a day? Yeah. And it's kind of a, I know it sounds crazy, all Tux guy promotion show, but there's, I've learned that there's more to it than that. And that kind of comes through in, in the talks that I've experimented with. How do you find, like to be, I guess, devil's advocate on it. How do you find the balance though of, like you said, I'm going to, I'm going to put content out there into the world and mm -hmm. let's see what happens. Right. And you mentioned like for you as speaking, speaking is, is somewhat of a secondary thing to you, to the, to the baseball team and owning mm -hmm. and running the team. So it's kind of like, all right, I'm gonna put some content out there. If I book gigs, great. If I don't book gigs, it's not the end of the world. Cause I have this other thing that yeah. pays the bills and allows me to eat and live indoors. <laughs> so just because you put stuff out there doesn't always translate into people are going to magically book you. So how are you saying, okay, I'm putting something out there on a daily basis. I'm being consistent. I'm showing up, which yes, check, check, check. Yes. But there's also the translation of like, but does that always lead to gigs? And is there anything that you were doing with the content beyond just I'm putting something out daily and sitting back and hoping? Or is there any like actual calls to action or, or what, what happened there to actually yeah. lead to gigs? Yes. And, and so that's the thing. Zero calls to action. Again, I understand, and I know lots of speakers do that, and they throw the calls to action, but if you keep showing up consistently and sharing a similar mindset, similar goals, people just say, I've heard before, I just see so much of you, I need to have you come speak to our business. Yeah. And so for us, I think there's a huge value to that. I mean, with our team, we do not go out and put ads and put marketing and put stuff. We just keep showing up and, and being consistent on who we are and what we stand for. And so it's a long game. If you're a speaker and write it, I mean, you know this, you've worked with so many, if they need to get paid within the next three months and they're just starting out, I don't know if that's the right career to get into right now. Yeah. It's a long game. And I mean, you've been a part of this. So I, obviously you're the expert in this, but I, I just, I get turned off when I see ads, when I see marketing, I don't think anyone, we scroll right through it. But if you're just throwing value and showing yourself on stage, you know, strategic, I mean, I mean, this morning I put a video of me on stage at Trek World speaking with Trek and you, people start seeing that, oh wow, he's speaking. He's doing that. But I'm yeah. not asking to book me. I'm just showing you in that context. Yeah, just social proof. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and But again, to provide value and you also see it back and forth and, you know, talking on podcasts, if you get to go on any podcast, I don't care if it's a kid down the street that's running a podcast and you share some of that value, cut it up. And what we do is we cut out little pieces, a minute or two and put that out there and say, Hey, this is something that you can take with your business. Don't hire me, just use it. Yeah. Have you always had the same approach on the, on the baseball team? Meaning that if we just do, if we make the game unique enough, again, like the saying of, if you build it, they will come. If we just make it unique enough, ticket sales will take care of themselves. Or do you have to still focus on like, yes, we can have a crazy experience, but if nobody shows up to the crazy experience, it doesn't matter. So we have to ultimately sell tickets. Yeah, I, I believe marketing can get customers, but it's the experience that gets fans. So, you know, we did some marketing that was able to get customers, but what we started doing is fun videos. So our players doing music videos, like literally can't stop the peeling in Old Town Road. We did a Sandlot riff. We did a Titanic riff. We did Field of Dreams. And we just started showing them how fun. And people were like, I love this team. And my favorite thing I get is say, I'm a huge fan of you guys, but I've never been to a game. Just solely by seeing the videos or seeing the merchandise. And so when you continue to do that, I mean, today we just announced we had our pilgrim president. So we actually had our president dress up as a pilgrim. And instead of just saying free shipping, he said free shipping always and forever. So whatever company, you know, we're going to be always, not prime where you got to pay 100 bucks, literally always and forever. And we try to look at all those things that are friction points for customers and do the exact opposite and show a video. So that is marketing it, but it's in such a fun way. He's using a ridiculous accent and we're doing something to add value forever, but we're not putting money behind it. If it does well, people will share it and talk about it. How have you found the balance? Uh, as it sounds like speaking has started to take off more and more over the past couple of years. But again, you also have this primary thing, the, the baseball team. So also just to be like, when's the season for, yes. for base? Since it is, it's not minor league yes. team, not affiliate So no team. speaking, no speaking during the season. So I'm very okay. clear on that. So basically it's uh, end of May and through early August. But okay. you know, I have a speaking appearance in Denver on May 26th and opening night's May 27th. So I go right okay. up the Okay. <laughs> but then it's, it's, it's in there. I'm still trying to work that out. The balance, you know, how many speaking appearances, right. You know, and obviously the fees have grown considerably over the last few years, but how do you determine? Because I'm not doing it for money. It's interesting when you have the money is not the goal at all. So when money's not the goal, what is the goal? And I'm still working through that. Do, is it just two or three or is it only groups that I feel like I can make the most impact? I mentioned Trek before. I probably have three or four uh, engagements with them because they're all in on creating this amazing experience. Like they're, they're we're in on it, in on it together. And so for certain groups, I've, Grant, you've probably done the same. You spoke at a group and like, I don't know if I was a great fit for that group. <laughs> and, and I've done some, I've done a few, I don't want to name any names, but I'm like, that wasn't the right audience for me. Like complete right. introverts, like machinery, like just things like, and you learn. And so, right. so now, you know, Simon Sinek said it best. He said, uh, they asked him, have you ever had a bad speaking engagement? And he said, no, no, never. And they're like, come on, never. And he goes, I only speak to people who believe what I believe. And I was like, that is like so powerful and smart. If you start looking about, will this group actually be all about, I mean, Grant, I get on stage and I have people, it's a performance. I mean, they will come on stage, there's dancing, there's singing, there's doing weird promotions because they all make points on what I'm trying to do. I mean, people do things that are very unique on stage. Some groups, they're like, what is happening right now? So I'm not the best speaker for certain people, but I'll tell you, if you want to get people out of their shell to take a first step to start doing things differently, I feel like I can help make that happen. I just have to now be clear on what groups are perfect for that and what are not. Right, right. So what have you decided to do that has made you differentiate yourself from the crowd? So there's plenty of other people who talk about, you know, customer experience or customer journey or creating a, a fan first environment type, and they may use other lingo. Yeah. But you know, when we run the team, we do things differently. When I get on stage, I need to do things differently. And yeah. my marketing, I need to do things differently. It can't be just another, I can't be this character for baseball yeah. and, a, and Jesse Cole on stage for speaking. Yes. So how have you decided to carry that over onto the speaking world? 
And at first it was tough. At first they just said, oh, we want this like small talk. And, and you know, my speaking coordinator helps me. She's like, no, it's a full show. If, if you get him, like he's running full speed onto stage, jumping up and it's going to be, a, it's going to be a 45 minute hour party. All right. Yeah. So we've had to be clear on that. And, and for me, that's where I feel most comfortable. You know, when you're talking about speaking, when I have people on stage or we're doing like, that's me because I've been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. So you just, and a new audience. But I think, how do you stand out for customer experience? I think what makes us different is that we're doing it on a daily basis. Like today, we just you know, said free shipping for always. I mean, we're, we're doing things regularly and we're kind of in tune with what has to happen as opposed to someone who maybe, and again, there's great speakers that are working with companies regularly, but that's what makes us different is the story and we're constantly doing it and we're bringing that bananas experience on stage. You know, that's, I think that's what makes us different. Yeah. Is there other things that, that like, is your training companies on how they can differentiate themselves and their industry or market? What would you say to a speaker who's going, I don't want to be just another speaker. I don't want to look like other speakers, sound like other speakers. I want to do something different. But, you know, a lot of times it's easier to play it safe because we feel like this is what's always worked. You know, we know that baseball can be long, slow and boring, but people still come to the games, you know, and people and baseball has a, a long history of being like that. And so there's yeah. people that like old time, like this is the way it is. And the unwritten rules of the game are like, <laughs> you know, you show up and you play it by this way. We can't change anything. Same thing with speakers. Speaking industry has been around for a long time. Yeah. We don't change anything. We don't rock the boat. We maintain status quo. Yeah. Uh, so what would you say to those speakers who are like, I know I need to do something different. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And again, I guess it's the one that say they need to do something different because a lot of, I mean, there's great speakers that have so many different styles. For me, you know, with our teams, we always look, what are the friction points? So for instance, when you're sitting and we actually do undercover fans. So everyone in our stadium, even me, I take the tux off and we go undercover as a fan and park with the fans. We, we go in line with the fans. We stand with the fans, fans. All of us have heard speeches. Which ones do we remember and talk about versus which ones are blah? And, you know, sometimes if someone's just going through a whole PowerPoint for a long period of time without being animated, entertaining. So I look at start with what are those friction points? What are those things that people are kind of blah with, bored with? And then those things that are normal, what are the exact opposite? And so, you know, for us, I don't use any slides because that's not me, you know, but I, I get on stage and I use the people as part of the experience. And so it's a tough question for me to answer, Grant, being honest, because I just have my style. I think everyone has their own style, but you got to put yourself in the customer's shoes, in the attendee's shoes. Do you want the same thing as always? What will make you go home and say, you won't believe who I heard speak today. You yeah. won't believe the message they said. And we actually create those, you won't believe statements. And that's how we do it with our businesses that we're working with. And I think people can do it in a speaking sense as well. But you probably have, what would be your answer to that question? For standing out from the crowd? Yeah. What, what, what are some things that you teach? Well, so I think one of the big things is, is not necessarily what happens off stage, or excuse me, not necessarily what happens on stage, but what happens off stage. So one of the things that a lot of speakers are notorious for is the experience. And so I remember I, we were talking a little bit beforehand. I've, I've cut back on the volume of speaking I was doing. When I was doing a lot of gigs, we would get emails and thank you cards and notes and recommendation letters that would talk about Grant was fine on stage. We had so much fun working with Lisa. Lisa was amazing. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. And so Lisa handled all the logistics behind the scenes. And so she was just, she was just great to work with. Yes. So I think that's a real big part that, that speakers can differentiate themselves. So, you know, little things like when a client emails you, that you email them back immediately. It's not like yeah. I got to chase you down, you know, over two weeks to get you to respond to something. And you are proactive in getting them the information that they need. When they say sound check is at 830, that you're showing up on time and not kind of meandering in. And like all these like little things, it's kind of like, it's probably similar to going to one of your games or going to Disney or going to some amazing resort. And you're like, 
what was so great about it? Like, I, I can't point to one thing. Like the parking lot was amazing. <laughs> no, but that was one of a hundred little things that made yes. this overall experience amazing. And so there's a lot of things that have nothing to do with you as a speaker on stage that create the type of opportunity or type of experience that clients are like, we have to work with them again because they just made it so smooth and so simple. And to go back, your episode with Joey Coleman really yeah. detailed this and how he does it. And it's, it's mapping the experience. And, you know, like when people first buy a ticket from us, we send a whole ridiculous video. Congrats, you just made the best decision of your day. And it's this whole celebration. We're getting their tickets and it's in a vault. When they book you to speak, what could be sent back? What's that unique thing? Afterwards, what can you send them? It's all those little touch points. You know, a lot of people ask, hey, will you go out to dinner with us the night before or lunch? And a lot of speakers don't feel comfortable with that. For me, I love to do it because I learn a lot. And I think I hear so much like, hey, the fact that you would spend extra time with us. If, if you're there and you're willing yeah. to do it, that's a big extra step as well. So I think map that experience. What's that perfect experience for your, your business, your speaking group, et cetera, just like Joey's done. I think I've learned a lot from that. Are you pretty extroverted? <laughs> Are you joking? No, I'm serious. Because no, here's why I ask, because you seem like you are, but yes. I know that a lot of speakers are very introverted, but it seems different when they're on stage. You know, yes. when they're when they're performing, I'm in performance mode, but off stage I'm more quiet, more quiet, or more reserved, more shy. But you may be someone who's the life of the party no matter what. Yeah, I mean I've always been semi extroverted, but yeah, it's a different dimension. Have you read or had Todd Herman as a guest? We haven't. No, no. Uh, but familiar with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the alter ego effect. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. brilliant. So, uh, you know, I started this when I go on, on the field, I'm P.T. Barnum. And so when I'm on stage, I'm this other persona. It's a brilliant thing that, that Todd's worked with so many top performers. And, you know, I think to an extent, yes, I try to take it to another level. And I think every speaker, you know, you, when you get on stage, it's not necessarily just being your exact same self. You are on a stage for a reason. And yeah. I think taking up your superpowers and what are you going to bring the best of? And I, I try to pump it up to a different level uh, on stage than I am even as an extrovert always. So let me ask you one other question. You seem to bring a lot of creativity to what it is that you do, whether it's baseball or whether it is speaking. And so for someone that's just like, I just don't feel like I'm that creative. Like you rattled off dozens of ideas that you're like, how did you come up with that? It's just crazy. Or just the level of creativity that goes into everything that you're doing that does differentiate yourself. But for a normal speaker who's going like, I just don't feel like I'm that creative. What would you say to them? You got to work your creative muscle. You got to work your idea muscle. So if you want to be in great shape, you work out every day. If you want to be healthy, you eat healthy. So for me, it wasn't just I was the most creative person or my team's the most creative. We just started working on ideas and making it a big part of who we are. So give you an example. We have an idea box at the stadium. We have idea paloozas with our staff. And every month we have a different subject of what we're going to focus on with our idea palooza. Yes, sometimes there's drinks involved. All right. It's a lot of fun. All right. <laughs> and, and it helps us come up with ideas. And then for me, uh, about two years ago, and, and obviously you can see on camera, yeah. but I started an idea book. And so every morning I write down 10 ideas and I was fortunate to get this from James Altucher and I would have a subject and I'd write 10 different ideas. Like today, I think it was on a holiday themed games and just doing like Halloween games and pilgrim games and St. Patrick's Day and just going all out like during the year. And we just had a thanks. We had a Thanksgiving game just two weeks ago where our, well, all the players wore pilgrim costumes and we threw out a first rock. We called it Plymouth rock. I mean, it was an absolute circus, but it's because we've worked that idea muscle. Yeah. So it, to say you're not creative, well, just start every morning, maybe just write down a few ideas. And an easy way to do that is what's normal, write down the normal stuff, normal things of speaking, the normal things of your business, what would be the exact opposite. And so we build these normal opposite lists. And it makes everything easy. Instead of the players playing, they dance, you know, instead of the coach coaching, could we have the coach in the stands and have the fans coach, you know, those different things we think about. And it starts with normal and opposite. How many games are in a season? We play 60 about 30 at home. 
Okay. So 30 games at home. Is yeah. every game a different theme or is it, is there parts of it that are repeated or how, how do you do that? How do you keep it original and fresh? Yeah. So every night we have a completely, we have a different script. Now there's some favorites that we play. There's certain dances that the whole stadium will start doing, but yeah, we have, you know, we have about 250 different skits promotions that we'll do that we break down. And it's, it's like choreographing this, like, you know, movie, you have ups and downs where, you know, we have emotional moments where we do a cool military salute. And then there's ridiculous moments where, you know, we did living pinata at the last game last year, where we actually put a person in a turtle costume. We had kids with little bats hitting them and then throwing candy in the air. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, so you, you just build it because you're trying to create reactions. And I think as a speaker, I've learned, you know, you should always think of how do you make people feel? Yeah. And so we're constantly trying to map, are they laughing? Are they emotional? Are they dancing? Are they singing? Are they entertained? And that's how we uh, put together our scripts. Do you have visiting teams that come to town and just like, what the heck is going on? Why can't we just play baseball? Oh, they think, yeah, they think, they think we're crazy. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, give an example. One of our rivals is the Macon Bacon. And okay. so in, in, in the bathrooms, of course, every men's urinal, we have a Macon Bacon urinal cake. So our fans are peeing on our rival. But in addition to that, we actually have a pig mascot. So we bought like a fake mascot for them. And we have them walk on the, uh, the dugout while we're doing their lineups. And we play the Sarah McLaughlin song. Remember the PSA? In <laughs> yeah. the arms of the angels. And we say, save the pigs. Stop making bacon. So like we do like just these weird taunts and, but most of the guys are like, you know what? This is fun. Yeah. You know, everything. And I think that's something I need to always remember too when speaking. Don't take yourself too seriously. Just yeah. have fun. When you give fun, you have fun. And that's what we do with our teams. And that's what I hope to do on stage every time I'm out. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Jesse, thanks for the time, man. If people want to check out more about you, what you're up to, if people want to check out the Savannah Bananas, uh, where can we go? You search Savannah Bananas or if you just search Yellow Tux, you'll find me. I'm out there and I'm, like I said, I'm posting every day and, and love to help in any way. Cool. Thanks, man. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jesse Cole. Such a fascinating journey, huh? Very, very interesting. I love the different stuff he's doing. I immediately went and checked out some of the Savannah Banana stuff, and it is quite entertaining. I got to get to a game now. So again, I'd encourage you to check out Jesse's stuff as well and a lot of, a lot of creativity and things we can learn there. Uh, as a reminder, if you haven't already, don't forget to pre-order The Successful Speaker. You can find that by going over to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, thespeakerlab.com slash book. And uh, there you can pre-order that. You can also get a bunch of different pre-order bonuses that you will get for free just by pre-ordering the book. So we really do appreciate it. You can check that out over at thespeakerlab.com slash book. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome. <laughs>